So the message today is a psalm for the new year, a psalm that is for the new year. And I chose this one. And uh, let's read it here. Follow me, Psalm number one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. One of the great chapters of the Bible. Some of you probably know it almost by heart. But how appropriate for uh, the beginning of a new year. New Year's is a time for inventory, isn't it? Every business, in all probability, will be in the next few days doing some form of inventory, seeing what products remain and getting ready to pay their taxes and things like that. So it's a time for inventory. The government requires it with them. Nobody requires it of us. If we are going to take inventory, it's because we do it voluntarily. We want to take inventory. But I think the New Year's is a wonderful time to just refocus our thoughts. I think it's a wonderful time for us to reflect on the past, what God has done for us, and where we would like to go, where we need to go in the coming year. I hear people criticize New Year's resolutions. And I would imagine that most New Year's resolutions probably are broken by the 10th of the month or less. On the other hand, I like New Year's resolutions. I think that they're good for you. I think a bath doesn't always last very long, but I'm glad people take one often. And I'm glad that New Year's re if New Year's resolutions don't last very long, like a bath, at least maybe they make us stop for a little while, and maybe a lot of people do keep them more than we think about. We just know about the ones who don't more than those who do. And so I like the first of the year. I'm kind of uh, anticipating it every year because it gives me a chance to think about my life, to look down inside, to reflect, and to say, how could I improve? What could I do that I haven't been doing and please the Lord better with my life? It's been a number of years ago now. I was visiting in a home one day, and they took me back in the back part of the house where the den was. You walk through most of the house, and there's the den, and there's the back door frame, a door exiting out, and there's the door frame. I was sitting near it, and I could notice there were some markings across the uh, the door frame. And it, there were lines there, and I looked closely, and there was a child's name. And then there was another mark and an, another child's name. 
Well, I figured it out real quickly, but then I commented on it and found out that I had figured correctly that this was where we measured the children growing. And so every year they took the ruler, you know, made the mark across the door frame, put the kid's name on it. And so it was a, a record of the growth of the children. Well, I would like to take our spiritual door frame today, and I would like to ask you, are you growing? Has 2019 been a year of spiritual progress in your life, or has it been a year of spiritual regression in your life? Now, don't sit there and think, well, you know, I'm about the same. No, you're not. No, you're not. Life doesn't allow us to be the same. So I'm either making progress, I'm growing toward the Lord, I'm growing in my commitments, my sensibilities, my spiritual heart desires, or I'm moving away from Him. Other things have filled the vacuum. And in 2020, I'm going to speak to you tonight about 2020. And I have a lot of thoughts about 2020. I'm going to try to lead this church in almost a radically different direction. I hope you'll be here tonight. I'm not going to talk about it this morning except to whet your appetite. But there's some things that I'm aware of that we really need to do. And so I'm concerned about the health, the spiritual health uh, in total of the people of the Florence Baptist Temple. And the new year is a good time to talk about that and the challenges. Our times right now are sort of difficult to, to, to ascertain what is really happening. For example, our economy is booming. We have the lowest unemployment uh, numbers that we've maybe ever had in some sectors of our economy. Um, we have the lowest unemployment. We have a booming stock market. We have the Saturday before Christmas. I don't know if you read about it. I read it this past week. The Saturday before Christmas, we set every national record in retail sales. Shoppers in America spent $34 billion in one day. 34 with a B, billion dollars in one day. It just absolutely blew away every retail sales record we'd ever had as a nation. That's the positive side. On the negative side, of course, we've got North Korea threatening a Christmas present, which they haven't delivered yet, but we can never predict what they will do. And we have Iran and China and Russia this week. Russia announced the development of a hypersonic missile. I didn't know the, what the word hypersonic meant, but I could kind of figure out more than sonic. And so they say they have a missile that will travel over 4,000 miles an hour, that they can hit any city, including Washington. They put that in the press release in just a few moments' time, and that nothing can stop that missile because our defense systems don't, uh, won't, won't defend against anything that fast. We know there's efforts going on in the country to impeach the president, 
And we know that that's created massive division, loss of hope. Culturally, we know the moral decadence. And, you know, here's the thing as a pastor that I sense about that. As lay people, I don't know if you think about it. There's a wonderful verse that explains where we are precisely in America today, in my opinion. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24 and verse 12. And you don't necessarily need to stop and look it up. I'll just quote it to you. But it's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the end times. And here's what he said. "Because uh, Because iniquity, that's wickedness or sin and evil. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity shall abound, because evil is epidemic. When evil grows, God's people are affected. And I see so much apathy about spiritual issues today. I see it, not, I see it here at the Florence Baptist Temple. I see it across the whole country. And the, there are statistics that bear that out that I won't go into, but the decadence of our, count, of, of our culture affects us, and it produces a love that waxes cold, indifference, apathy about the things of God. So I want you to take inventory in your heart and in your spirit and in your life. I want you to be honest. Judgment day honest is the way I usually describe it. Judgment day honest, like you were standing before the Lord, only you're just observing your own heart as we begin this new year. And I want you to look with me at Psalm 1, and we'll talk about a psalm to start the new year with. And point number one I want to make to you from it is the secret of a happy new year. What is the secret that the psalm contains for us for a happy new year? Well, it's the first word, blessed. Isn't that interesting? The whole book of Psalms, God's hymn book, God's book of praise, begins with the word blessed, blessed. Now, I did a little word study on blessed. It comes from a Hebrew word, esher, E-S-H-E-R. And it has a whole range of meaning. It means to be happy. So that's why I said the secret of a happy life. But it's more than just happiness, just more than a bunch of people laughing at a party. I'm not talking about superficial, giddy-type happiness. The word blessed has the idea of a deep happiness, a spiritual happiness, to be spiritually prosperous, to have inward joy, inward peace and contentment and satisfaction a deep sense of fulfillment, a a sense of security and protection, a sense of calmness and assurance. The word blessed means to be blessed inwardly, in our spirits, in our own emotions, and it means to be blessed outwardly in our external relationships, our relationships with other people. To be blessed You have to have the right relationships with other people as well as to have the right internal sense of God's presence in your life. Now, there's another word. There's two words in the Old Testament Hebrew for blessed. The other one is 
the other word translated blessing in your Bible, not used as often, but it's very important. That means to bow down like to bow before a king or a powerful, powerful person. It's the idea in the old days where people would bow down and the prophet would put his hands on their head and confer a blessing upon them. And so you have, first of all, Esher, which has the idea of being spiritually prosperous and having all these positive, wonderful emotions of satisfaction and joy and peace and, and contentment. And then you have the other word, blessed. It's not used exactly here, but it, it, it would be involved in it. And that is the idea of when we bow down before the Lord, when we are truly submitted to Him in our heart and our life. And that's a good place to just start your inventory. Am I truly submitted to the Lord? Am I living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, or am I living my own life? And when I do that, then I can expect Him to put His hands upon my head figuratively and convey a blessing upon me. So, Looking toward the new, new year, do I have this inward sense of God's blessing deep within my heart, this deep satisfaction and peace? And do I have a sense that God has put his seal of approval upon my life and he is blessing me that I'm walking in his favor, that I'm pleasing him in my lifestyle? Now, you will notice there are two conditions here. The first condition has three parts, and it's in verse 1. Blessed, all that I've described in that word, is the man that walketh not. So it starts negatively, and there are three negative statements here that are very important for you as you do your evaluation and inventory at the end of the year here. Three things we're told not to do, not to do in our relationships always here, not with the Lord, but with other people. This is talking about our relationships with other people. Number one, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Counsel means to take advice or to be influenced by someone. Don't walk in the counsel of ungodly people. Let me define ungodly for you. Ungodly people, that doesn't necessarily mean that a person is wicked and a murderer and a robber and all those negative things. To be ungodly simply means to be without God, as the word would imply. A person who is a secularist is, by definition, ungodly. A person who lives their life as though there is no God is ungodly. They may be church-going moral people, but if they live their life Without consulting God's will, they are by definition ungodly people. So it's saying don't walk with people who encourage you to live an evil life, to live without concern for righteousness in your life or obedience to God. Don't, don't make those your closest relationships. Don't walk with them. To walk with somebody means to go hand in hand with them, doesn't it? Now, number two, there's another condition here. Don't stand in the way of sinners. And standing has the idea of standing around, as we do here, don't, lingering and, and, and spending time with people. 
it's saying don't make your best friend your best friends of people who are openly living a life contrary to the Lord. And then the third condition is don't sit with the scornful. Now, notice the progression here. Walking is action. And in sitting, we stop the action and we sit. And then, uh, pardon me, first of all, we walk and then we stand. We come to a stop and then we sit down. So each place there, we're spending more and more time with this ungodly, sinful, scornful person. The scornful are the mockers, the blasphemers. Now, this doesn't necessarily just mean people either, because you see, I can walk in the council of Netflix, and I can watch things that are absolutely going to destroy my spiritual growth. I can read the wrong stuff, watch the wrong TV programs. You say, preacher, you're meddling now here. I just want a nice little calm sermon here on uh, this New Year's Eve. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to preach to you God's Word. This is what it means. This is what Christians of all stripes, by the way, used to believe in this country. And now the word separation and words like that are dirty words. Christians feel they are entitled. They have the right to do anything they want to do. Well, you do. In America, you have the right. You can go pop your cork. You can blow it out. You can do anything you want to do. If you're over 21, you don't have to answer to anybody as long as it's not illegal. However, do you want to be blessed? Well, if you want to be blessed then you can't do anything you want to do. There are some conditions. God makes some demands. And that's not legalism. It's just black and white. It's black ink on white paper, isn't it? And so either we accept that, we believe that or not. So God says, now don't you be hanging out all the time and listening to the advice and being under the influence of people who are not going to steer you in the right direction. And I can tell you over and over and over I've seen the power of that. Now, it doesn't say that you're never to associate with unsaved people either. So let me anticipate a question in somebody's mind. No, it doesn't say that at all. No, we live in a world full of unsaved people. More people are unsaved than saved. And we, we work with those people. And that's not what this is talking about. We have those people even in our families that's not what it's talking about. We don't forsake our families or our work associates. We have to spend time with unsaved people, or we would never be able to lead them to Christ. So that's not what this is talking about, but this is talking about in choosing the people who are going to be my influencers, I need to make sure they're godly people. And because who I hang out with influences me more than I will ever know. I want you to Flip and keep your finger there. Go back in your Bible. I want to show you a verse of Scripture. Or, well, go forward in your Bible. I want to show you a verse in the book of Proverbs, okay? Proverbs chapter 13. I hope you will mark this, book, this verse in your Bible if it's not already marked. It is a principle. It is a law of success in your Christian life. You can't violate this law and expect to move the marking up on the doorframe of your spiritual life next year. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. 
He that walketh with, there's that word walk again. He walks with wise men, he shall be wise. But a companion of fools. Who is a fool? The Bible says the fool that's sitting said in his heart, there's no God. The fool is the ungodly person, the person who lives his life as if there's no God. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. That doesn't mean they will be wiped off the face of the earth. It means that spiritually they will be destroyed. Don't Take for granted who your companions and your counselors are. This is so, so prevalent in our day. People have a problem, and, and very frankly, when you have problems, you need to find somebody who is a qualified counselor, a godly person who will counsel you. And, it, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't understand why we want to go and spend $100 an hour or $150 an hour to talk to somebody who's going to never mention to you the name of God or have a prayer with you when you can come over here to the church and there's qualified people who would sit down and take an open Bible and show you the way of God and it costs you nothing. Kent Kendall's been studying for years to be able to help people with godly counsel. Now, and if you believe the answer is in the Scripture, then go to godly people. It may not be here. It may be somewhere else. It doesn't matter where as much as it matters that the person giving you that counsel is a godly person. Boy, I've got to hurry up. I could preach on that all day, and I'm halfway through here and haven't gotten very far. Look here. I've got this many pages of outline up here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I'm that far down on the first page. So make yourself comfortable, ladies and gentlemen. All right, the secret, the negative condition, I've talked to you about what's the positive condition. Verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. He delights in it. He loves it. He's anticipating. He's excited about it. He's thrilled with the law of God. That's the Bible. And in his law doth he meditate Day and night, day and night. So we're to meditate day and night in the Word of God. Now, there's a resolution for you. There's a way to move the mark up on the doorframe next year. It's meditate in the Word of God. Meditation has the idea, yes, of reading. Yes, of studying. But it goes even one step further than that. It has the idea of digesting. It's like the cow chewing her could. And so I open my Bible, and I begin to read, and I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm, I've got a dictionary by my chair where I read so that if I don't know a word, I can define that word. I'm taking seriously this because, see, I'm going to God for my counsel. And so I say, I don't know exactly what that word delight means. So I look it up in the dictionary. And I note it, and I digest it. I chew on it. I chew my cud like the cow. I think about it. It's a mental, spiritual vitamin I'm putting in there. I say, hey, boy, that is really good. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chew on that all day. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I can remember that. 
And I reflect on that. And at lunch, I'm eating by myself, and I'm thinking, the person who delights in the law of the Lord, well, the Bible says here, if I meditate on it day and night, that I'll be blessed. And then later in the afternoon, I have a break, and my mind goes back to it. To read your Bible in the morning, to shut it, and to never think about it again all day long, very frankly, I would think is a waste of time probably. It is the meditation. It's the thinking about it. It's the pulling it back up. It's remembering that that will make the difference in your life, whether you'll move the mark up next year on the door frame. I did grow. In every relationship of life, boy, don't forget this. In every relationship of life, you're either the influencer or you're the influenced. In every relationship I have, when I sit and talk with someone, I'm either influencing that conversation or I'm being influenced by that conversation. And so, I need to be able to retain God's Word, to pull it up and mentally chew on it. But very quickly, I want to show you something else. I want to talk to you about the importance of communication in every relationship. Because where I'm going with this now is that someone teaches me how to communicate with the Lord, to communicate with Him. Every relationship I have is based upon good communication, if it's a good relationship, if it's a positive relationship. In marriage, almost every time I've ever counseled with a couple having marital problems, one of the key problems at the very core is what? Communication, or I should say, lack of communication. Parenting. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, you talk with people about children. Their children, they come in, their children are driving them nuts. They're just saying, oh, man, I can't control this child. Well, do you ever talk to them? Well, I, I correct them. No, I don't mean that. Do you ever put that little child upon your lap? Do you ever sit and say to that child, look at me. Don't take your eyes off my eyes. Hear me. Now, let me talk to you about what your behavior is doing, how it's making other people think of you. Very frankly, people can't stand you. Now, do you want to live your life like that, or do you want, do you want, do you want people to laugh at you as a guy who's out of control all the time? Talk to me. Look at me. Why do you act like And you just begin these conversations, and you talk, 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 talk. Boy, you can solve a lot of problems. You can solve a lot of problems. We just assume people understand. If there's anything I've learned in 50 years of preaching is, man, it's hard to communicate. You know, you think, I think you heard what I meant to say, but you didn't hear what I said. And uh, over and over and over. Every relationship is based upon, at work, largely your success at work will depend on your ability to, to communicate. Now, how do we communicate them with the most important one of all? Because I've never seen God 
He's never spoken to me with an audible voice in all my life. I've never heard the voice of God audibly with these ears. How do I know what God wants? How does God communicate with a human being? Well, he does it through his word. Everything he wants me to know, he has put it in a book. And he says, study to show thyself approved. Study, effort, work. Yes, you have to read it. And you have to stop and think about it. And you have to meditate on it and pull it up and think about it and chew on it. But if you do, boy, the next year can be a better year, I promise you. And if you neglect that book, then what you're saying is, I'm not interested enough in hearing from God that I'm willing to take the time and the effort to do this. Don't be like the guy who, he's moved on years ago. He told me, he said, boy, I never did like to read. I haven't read a page of a book since I graduated from college. I thought, here's a guy bragging on his ignorance. Oh, what a sad state of affairs. I haven't read a book since I graduated from college. I said when I got out of college, they'll never make me read another book. No, no, no. God's book is how God talks to you. Don't wait for an audible voice. He speaks to you from this book. He speaks to you as you meditate and regurgitate those scriptures. He speaks to you when you come to church. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, such as the manner of some people is. But you be there because as you sit in the church service, if the preacher is opening the Bible and preaching the Bible, God's still small voice internally, not audibly, internally speaks to you. And God says, hey, he's talking about something that applies to you. You need to listen to what he's saying right now. And I'm standing here preaching it, and I'm not even aware of the many different ways that God applies and uses his word. Now, your daily time with God this year, then, is the most important activity in your Christian life. Now, listen to me. I didn't say that coming to church was the most important. I think that falls behind it. Number one in importance, if you want to grow, if you want to please the Lord, if you really want to be a serious Christian, you've got to open God's book and hear, hear from Him on a very regular basis every day. Your daily time with God, your quiet time, your devotions, whatever you choose to call them, the most important activity of your Christian life. Now, it's not a substitute for coming to church. There are some people today in the country that say we don't need a local church. We just read our Bible and pray at home. Uh-uh. No, no. The Bible clearly teaches the importance of the church, right up behind what I'm talking about. On the other hand, coming to church and not reading your Bible and studying your Bible is not going to get you through either. You, you can't make it from one meal to the next and not grow weak if you only eat once a, once a week. No, you need both. You need your daily time with the Lord, and you need 
your church as well, the preaching of the Word of God in your life. And so God speaks to us through Bible reading, Bible study, meditation, church attendance, books that we read, podcasts that have good teachers and preachers on them, radio, television. There are many different ways that God can speak, but it all comes out of His Word. If the preacher or the teacher is not using the Word of God, well, then don't listen. It's God's Word that you're seeking that will give you the blessing that Psalm 1 speaks to you about. And one other thing I want to say to you as you begin the new year, you need a plan. You need a plan. There are some people that they just, you know, open the Bible, close their eyes, open the Bible. Okay, here's it. Matthew 15, then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were Jerusalem saying, blah, 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 blah. Uh-uh. You need a plan. You need a systematic plan of Bible study and Bible reading. Now, the table's stacked full of guides back here. You can pick up one. And you can use a guide, or I'll tell you, easiest guide of all, start Genesis 1-1. Next day, Genesis 2. Next day, Genesis 3. Next day, what? Is anybody here? You can do that. I'm going to do I've read the Bible through, I think, the last 18 years in a row. Every word, every page. But, you know, I, I, I picked up one of those RU journals. Now, I'm, I'm going to sell out of books here, maybe. I picked up an RU journal, and I looked at that thing the other day, and I've seen it, but I never used it. So I'm going to join the RU program this year in my uh, devotional life. You read a proverb of the day, one every day, like today is the, um, what's today, the 29th? So I, today I'd read the 29th chapter, corresponding to the day of the month. And then it says to read something else. So I thought, I'm going to read the Psalms. If I read one Psalm a day, there's 150. I'll go through the book of Psalms about two and a half times this year. And then I'm going to read a chapter from the New Testament, 287 chapters. So I can read through that about a time and a half. And it take me how long to do that? Seven, eight minutes, ten minutes, whatever. And then you pray. And the way you pray in the RU Journal is you praise the Lord. You use the, the Lord's Prayer as your model. And so, uh, hallowed be thy name is praise. We praise the Lord first. And then secondly, um, we pray for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread, meaning all of our needs. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness. We pray for, we confess our sins and pray for forgiveness. And then we pray for protection, the fourth thing out of the Lord's Prayer. We pray for protection. Keep us from temptation and from yielding to it. Keep Satan from doing his work in our lives. And you see, you're systematically doing something. You're not just randomly saying, I can't find a plan. Where am I going to read next? So I've got my plan laid out, and I'm excited about it because it'll be completely new and fresh to me. And I'm going to try that and see how it will work in my life. There's 
if you're reading your Bible and spending time with the Lord, there's not a bad plan. So pick out any plan you want. You don't have to read the Bible all the way through this year. Read one chapter a day and slow down and get something out of it. But, oh, my friend, you can't have a relationship where you don't communicate. And the way you communicate is you listen to God speak to your heart through His Word, and then you talk to Him in your prayer life. You know what? You do that regularly, systematically, faithfully, week in, day in, and day out, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to start growing, and the mark on your doorframe is going to move up, 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 up. You're going to be here this time next year, look back and say, you know what? This has been a blessed year, a wonderful year for me spiritually because I have spent time with God. Now, I want you to notice a last thing here in Psalm number 1, and that's in verse 3. Underline that last phrase, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so there is the result of daily communication and meditation and spending time with God. Whatever he, whatsoever you do, you will prosper. And I want you to notice here, he compares this, the man who is in the Word of God, who's doing what I've been preaching about, he compares him to a tree, but it's not just any tree. It's a tree growing on a riverbank. It's a tree growing on a riverbank. So here's God's promise to bless you if you will carry out what I have been describing here. What's that tree on the riverbank look like? Verse 3, he brings forth fruit in his season. So every season at the proper time, as the calendar goes along and as the seasons change, the tree is fruitful, fruitful. All kinds of fruit can grow on our tree. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Boy, how I pray for that. I've been praying for that almost daily. You see, the fruit of the Spirit are nine qualities of Christ-likeness. Do you want to be like Jesus? then work on the fruit of the Spirit. That's a Christ-like character. The fruit of a godly character. My, the impact of that on you and people around you. There's not only the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible talks about the fruits of righteousness. The fruits of righteousness. So living a righteous life and the impact that that has on my family, on my spouse, my children, my friends, people at the church, people at work. And then there's the fruit of reproduction. Apple trees bring forth apples. Pear trees bring forth pears. Christian trees bring forth Christians. That's soul winning. That's reproduction. That when these qualities are in my life, that there's going to be fruit on my tree, and I'm going to want to witness. I'm going to want to share the gospel of Christ with people. So there's fruit. If you want a fruitful life, then you can have it. But the key is verse 1 and 2. Now look in verse 3. There's something else. Not only is this tree fruitful, but it doesn't wither. It's an evergreen, I guess. It doesn't lose its leaves. It's consistent. It's reliable. It's dependable. It's not up and down. 
Do you want to be a consistent, reliable, dependable, faithful Christian in the fullest sense of that word? Then you practice verse 1 and 2. You get the blessing of God upon your life in the new year. And then number three, notice something else. Whatsoever he doeth. So God chooses various areas. He sovereignly chooses where he can bless us and where we can't. Now, real quick, go with me to the book of Joshua, all the way back to the front of your Bible, because there's a parallel verse, and I don't want to fail to point it out. Some of you know where I'm going. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8. Joshua 1 and 8. Look at this one. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, we're talking about it all the time. I believe there was a ball game somewhere last night, wasn't there? And I'll bet you the halls of this church were filled this morning with conversation about that ball game. But what does it say? How much of our conversation involves talking about the Lord and the book of the law? But thou shalt meditate, there it is, pull it up and chew on it again, day and night, regularly, systematically. And here's a key that thou mayest observe to do. So it's not just knowing the Bible. It's not just coming and learning in Sunday school and listening to Bill Monroe preach. It's not just being a Bible, a person of Bible knowledge. It is obedience. How much of it do we put into practice that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein? For then, I'm underlined the then in my Bible. Then, if you do these things, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I think that can mean in various areas, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, Physically, if God so wills it, even financially. God doesn't put any parameters there on his blessing. Now, I want to give you a warning, and I close. I want you to go all the way to the back of your Bible, Third John. Here's a warning. Here's a warning because I'm not a prosperity theology preacher, but I do believe God can and does prosper his people. But he does it based upon them meeting certain conditions, not just claiming it and saying it and all this stuff that's being preached today. Okay, Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you mayest prosper and be in health. Now, it even brings in our health here. I wish above all that you will prosper and be in health, even as thy soul Here's my warning. Your material prosperity must not ever get ahead of your spiritual prosperity. Your material prosperity must not ever get ahead of your spiritual prosperity. Boy, I've watched it through the years, tragically, where people would claim the promises of Psalm 1, and they would do it, and they would do it diligently, and God would pour blessing upon them. Now, listen to me carefully, because we've got people right here, and I say it to you lovingly, and, and you need to hear this word. See, here's the deal. 
we get saved and God begins to bless us and we are very obedient in what we do and we have the right attitude toward him. And man, he's first in our life. And then he blesses us so much that we don't have time for him anymore. And we begin to neglect the Bible. We don't come to church like we used to. and We don't have time to serve like we used to. And, and on and on and on. And you know what happens? Well, their material prosperity gets ahead of their spiritual prosperity. And they end up spiritually bankrupt. They end up far from God, losing families, divorces, all kinds of problems. Your bank account grows, but your soul shrivels if you don't keep this in order here. Well, the greatest blessing I've ever had is none of the things I've been mentioning. It's salvation. Amen? I heard somebody this week sing an old song, Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior, and my God. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Salvation won't solve all your problems, but it'll solve your main one. It'll solve the main one. It'll solve the sin problem in your life and forgiveness and having the Lord living in your life, won't it? So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, man, what a good day to get saved. Amen? The last Sunday of the year, come to Jesus. Come to the cross. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't wait another year. Get saved in 2000. And 19. And if you, today, if the Lord has convicted you when I start the invitation, come on down here, kneel at the altar, and say, Lord, help me to do better this year. I confess where I failed this year, and this year, help me to move the mark up on that door frame in my spiritual growth. 